LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hey, it's Daniel here. Just a quick note before we get into today's episode. Our team at LifeWay Leadership is excited to announce a brand new day and a half coaching event on how to lead change in your church. It's called Blueprint Coaching, and our first stop will be in Orange County, California on March 14 and 15. You can learn more by going to lifeway.leadership.com slash events or by texting the word blueprint to the number 888-111. That's 888-111. But don't wait too long because we're capping this at 300 people to make sure you come with a dream and leave with a 90-day plan for leading change in your church. Now let's get into the interview. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And the most people we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> yes. And no it is a motley crew, if I might say so as well. Right. What do we have, Dan. We have the hosts, the co hosts of the Established Church podcast. It's like a troika. <laughs> so, what's going to be fun here is through the next couple months, we're going to be bringing on all of the co hosts of our different podcasts, of the, of the podcasts that are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, so that you can get to know who they are and honestly, they are amazing people. That I want to know if anybody knows know. what a Troika is. <laughs> I think I've talked about a Troika on this podcast before, but I would think one of these people would know because they're odd enough. Do you guys know? Micah no Freeze, Sam Rayner, and Josh King? It's a, it's a Russian word. Yes! I knew it would be Sam too. Totally knew. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a word. Uh, it involves three people. It usually involves it's a, a three-headed leadership monster that uh, rarely works. It came out of... Um, so you're, you're saying it's a three-headed Russian dysfunctional leadership model. Is that what you just said? Totally. Because I'm monster. pretty sure that's what you just said. The established <laughs> church podcast. Welcome to, the Welcome to our dysfunctional little world. I'm changing the description of our podcast. <laughs> no, it's three I love horses. that it's the one guy with the PhD on the podcast that got the answer right. It's three... Horses that are all pulling in unison in the same direction, but they're not stacked in order. They're all three side by side, which makes it mm-hmm. insanely difficult, which I'm not sure why the Russians did that. So I'm wondering, are, are we stallions or are we donkeys? I, I'm trying to figure out which one of those we are. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah. All right. But in honor of having all this many people on the podcast at once, and because your podcast is about established churches, I thought instead of answer, asking all five questions, we would do the first, third, and last verses in the green hymnal. <laughs> and every kid who grew up I in a little church all of a sudden just resonated. <laughs> no, I, if, if anybody out there still has a green hymnal somewhere in their church, I guarantee 428 in the garden. One of the best ever. So, Without further ado, let's get into our first question. And I'm going to ask, uh, who, who, how do we do this pecking order thing? Uh, let's start with Micah. Why are you starting with Micah? Because we've worked with Micah. Tall. Yeah, and we've worked with Micah, and it's always fun to Micah Micah talk. Is right down the hall from you guys. He's also the senior. So I am the oldest. oldest. That's true. Okay, so elders first. Go ahead, all right, Micah. All right, all right. Who are you learning from? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of people we could mention. I'll tell you right now, I have there's a group of three pastors that I text with a lot of times, and not all the listeners will necessarily know them, but there's one pastor in particular on this group. We we talk, we meet once or twice a year to learn from each other, 
And there's one guy in particular that we all kind of look to. It's Josh Howerton at the Bridge Church in Spring Hill. And, and I know that name may not be super familiar to a lot of people, but I'm telling you, the guy is a leadership genius. Uh, I, I just, he just blows me away constantly with his understanding of church life. I learn from him as much as anybody right now in terms of how to functionally lead and develop a, a church. And he's leading not... A, I mean, it's, it is an established church at this point, but his dad planted it. He became the senior pastor. I think they're running 300 in attendance. Now they're 4,000 or so and every weekend, three or 4,000, something like that. And uh, it's about a decade, a little over 10 to 15 years old. But yeah, I would say he's at the top of the list of guys I'm learning from right now. Yeah. And you, you are going to want to check him out because sure. he is on the list of fastest growing churches right now. It's amazing to That's see right. what they've done. When they launched their newest campus this past year, I think they had like seven or 800 people. Yeah, it was nuts. (laughs) They did. They launched 700 day one, uh, the Columbia campus. There's actually four of us. We, you know, we all text together and two of the four guys are are leading churches on the fastest growing list. The one of the other guys and myself, our churches are not on the the list. (laughs) We're we're jealous of the other guys, but we're learning from them anyway. Hey, that's, that's better. I I thought you were going to say, yeah, two of them are on the list. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not us <laughs> all right sam how about you who are you learning from yeah i'm learning from jerry and ed and john and you probably don't know who they are mm-hmm. no they're they're uh they're in my church mm-hmm. so they're they're older guys that have kind of taken me under their wing um and just really really helped out so i I know that is not of much value to your listeners but I, i'm, I'm going to answer the question Honestly, um, I have really enjoyed being as a lead pastor, kind of under, you know, under the mentorship of, of some senior men in my church who, um, and they're not all seniors, but they're older than me. Um, and I've, I've just, I mean, I've really just kind of soaked up their local wisdom, just kind of their own uh, way of leading their families. Uh, you know, they're a couple of generations beyond me. So um, it's been really refreshing to be in a church where, um, I, I am the lead pastor, but at the same time, I can learn from some, you know, very mature men around me. Um, and I've got a resource that I've been reading that I've just, I've just been soaking it up. Is this the time where we talk about that? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So there's this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you guys have talked about it on the podcast yep. or not already, but man, I am just eating this book up. It's one of those books that it's like, I'm, I'm probably gonna read it again to master it. Um, it's all about those who are able to persevere with passion. And if you have both passion and perseverance, you have this thing called grit, which enables you to move forward in ways that, you know, nobody else can. And, and it, and it's just, it's been eye opening to me in terms of leadership. Um, so that's part of what this podcast is about. If you're looking for a great new leadership book, um, grit by Angela Duckworth is, I am just absolutely, I'm reading each chapter, each page, I'm reading every word on every page. It's, It's a great book. I uh, I actually had my nine year old read the executive summary. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That and peak, um, awesome. and then we talked about it. That's awesome. I'm That's a awesome. sick person. I think. It's bad. <laughs> okay, but you know, honestly, when Sam kind of awkwardly said Jerry, Ed, and John, and just paused <laughs> for a moment, you know, you know whose names popped into my head. Uh, I don't know why. Jerry Vines, no. Ed Stetzer, and <laughs> I'm just no, you got you got Ed Stetzer right. Jerry Springer, <laughs> Ed Stetzer, and John the Baptist. I was like, that is an eclectic group of people you're learning from. No, that's, that's a, a troika. troika. That's a, it's troika a troika right there. That's also the most American thing said on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just got my green card. <laughs> Jerry Springer and Ed Stetzer. 
They're both in Chicago. Yep. <laughs> All right, Josh. That's Josh's voice right there. Josh, who are you learning from? Yeah, it just depends on the topic. So like Micah was talking about, I'm on a couple of those um, text message rings as well, but I just happen to co-host with uh, the other guys that are on that. So Sam and Micah are two that I learn and ask a ton of questions all week long about pastoring, those sort of things. I've got a group of uh, some lesser known pastors in Texas that we talk a great deal about just the, the details of pastoring, those sort of things. And then of course, and I'm not just saying this, but most of the podcasts that um, are part of that are now part of that LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Oh, awesome. I, I listen to those and consume that constantly and am learning a great deal, even in very simple matters, how to communicate things with uh, uh, JD's new podcast as well. I'm just really enjoying those sort of things. So kind of depends on the topic. Good deal. All right. I'm going to move us into our third question, which is... Oh, we're we're literally doing the first, third, and fifth verses. I, I was <laughs> going for it. it I took that literally. Traditionally, it, it should be first, second, and last. Oh. But you are the one that told me before the podcast, <laughs> when we do the first, third, and fifth. So... All right. Let's that's do how it. you said it, too. You <laughs> fake this Canadian accent, but really... You talk like this. All right, third <laughs> third question. <laughs> this is off the rails already. This is off the rails. Go. All right. Um, what, Micah, what is one thing, one or two things that you have to do every day other than read the Bible? Okay, so this is going to sound as non-spiritual as it can possibly sound. I, I, I read a blog incessantly on sports aesthetics. And I know that sounds, I know that sounds really funny. Uniforms, logos, color palettes. I know that sounds nuts. I'm telling you the Uniwatch blog. I read it every day. First thing in the morning, I read my Bible. What what is it called? The Unabomber blog? (laughs) (laughs) It's the Uniwatch blog. It's like the way the Uniwatch, a uniform watch blog. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like we, I look, I, I, I literally, if there is anything aesthetically that happens within sports anywhere in the world, it's probably reported on this blog. And so it's true. He'll randomly email me. Um, just things about you know the uniforms of different teams and yep it's pretty interesting and, and two of my best friends who you guys would probably know their names they are uh, pretty incessant with that too so it's like it's how i decompress i read my bible and then i read the Unowatch blog man Unowatch. mike i knew you were a little weird no, yeah that has but... no value for your listeners at all <laughs> zero this is crazy man this is next None. level okay i i'm i okay i have to ask you this one favorite yeah. jersey best jersey that's important. Yeah. 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 That would be by sport. It would be difficult. I love really plain and simple, like plain lines. So like Penn state and Alabama in college football. I love the way those uniforms look. They're really like super the Texas Longhorns. Texas Longhorns have gorgeous uniforms. I love right. them. Yeah. Right. They're beautiful. So, and then in baseball, it would be the Royals and the Dodgers and Yankees, those sort of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Hockey. I want to see first Bradenton's short term. In hockey, I love the Toronto Maple Leafs oh, jerseys in hockey. Did I say the wrong thing? Yeah. <laughs> you did. I just heard yeah, Daniel's feelings. <laughs> okay, I was asking yeah. about your short term mission shirts. I'm I'm really excited <laughs> to see those. We have great ones, man. Our our graphic designers at Brainerd are off the charts, man. They're really good. <laughs> All right, let's go, uh, Sam. What what's what's one or two things you got to do every day um, to lead well that are not reading your Bible. Definitely not the Uniwatch blog, <laughs> but I'm fast. I just, while Micah was talking, 
just like we all did, we went online and checked it out. And I'm, I'm absolutely amazed. This looks really interesting, Mike. I will give you credit for that, but I'm going to, I'm going to click off of this and actually answer the question. Um, you know, I got to work out. Um, again, I know that's not very, I guess it could be spiritual because I pray, I pray when I run mm. more runner. So I, I, uh, I work out six days a week. Um, wow. I'm not, that's awesome. yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not totally obsessive about it. You know, I, but I just, I have, um, for those who know me well, I, I'm a intense kind of person and uh, some might say hyper. Um, and I'm, I'm like that, uh, you know, you, you get a dog that's just got to run. And if they, if they don't, they start destroying things. Um, that's kind of me. So <laughs> <have> this tick. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. They got this tick and you know, they, you know, they, you, they just, they got to get out and get their exercise. So um, I, I run, I work out. Um, I have a, a pretty regimented routine with that. If I don't do it, I'm kind of grumpy and um, probably a little too hyper. So that's definitely something I have to do every day. I read every day as well. I got to read something every day. Um, but I, I would say the the top priority outside of, you know, family and work and all that is, is, is actually getting some exercise. So, so Sam on that exercise note then, because I know there's so many different reasons people exercise and ways to exercise. And even on the little health check thing that I need to do for my insurance, it's like, how many hours do you, you know, exercise to the point where you can't carry on a conversation with someone else? And how many hours do you exercise where you can talk to someone, but your heartbeat is elevated and, and, you know, some people do it to kind of maintain their weight or for a healthy heart or lose weight or gain muscle. What's kind of the, 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 the reason you do it? Is it for, for just to stay sharp? Yeah, mine's for my mind. Okay. Well. Um, I, uh, the, uh, the, the health benefits are just kind of a, like the physical health benefits are just kind of a, an, a, a side for me. Yeah, cool. Um, it, it's to clear my head. It's to, to pray. Um, it, meditative is probably the wrong word um, because I don't want to jump into that world too much, but it has that kind of effect for me. Mm. Um, and I live in Florida. So, you know, the weather's usually pretty gorgeous. It gets, a little, it gets a little hot in the summer, but I don't mind the heat. You know, I'll run 96 degree heat um, and I'm, I'm able to handle it. I, I guess I just can. I've been doing it a while, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely for my mind. It's, it's not so much, hey, you know, I got to get this dad bod you know, looking really good. Um, cause I, I definitely could win a dad bod competition. Um, but it's more for, uh, it's just more for my, my brain. Very good. All right. How about you, Josh? Yeah. So, um, not daily, but every other day I run. And so I enjoy that. And then, uh, daily I will read a couple chapters of fiction, but the problem is the only fiction I really like is John Grisham. So, when I've read it all, when I'm when done with the book, I have to wait for the next one to come out. But that's that's really what I enjoy is reading some fiction. And if I don't do that, um, it helps my brain to kind of shut down before going to sleep. And if I don't do that, then I'll just think and toss and turn late and it just snowballs. That's cool. Man, John Grisham. How many books has that guy written? A lot. I've read all of them. So it's... um. I have no idea what the number is, but it's a lot. That's insane. They're, they're all pretty much the same, but <laughs> I, and I devour them. I, I buy it immediately as soon as it comes out and, and read it. That's fantastic. Any That's biographies at all? Like biographies, historical, fic, historical fiction, anything like that? I don't, man. I just, I just like that kind of crime stuff, the courtroom dramas. 
Cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. So, Micah, we're going to go back to you for our fifth question. And I am still on the Uniwatch blog right now. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I totally threw you off. I here's what I, here's the leadership argument that I'll make for that. It's my, it's my one way to sort of escape. I, I don't escape very much. Like I live what I do night, day, weekends. Like I'm constantly thinking about it. But it's one of the very few ways that I escape and sort of hit the release valve. And it, it lets off some pressure. I'm not sure I'm on the same one. It is the most aesthetically unpleasing website I've ever been on. It is and not a very pleasing website. I'll agree with you there. There's a lot of for ads. one, yeah, for one, a website devoted to aesthetics. It's, yeah. it's horrible. Just <laughs> say okay. What's fascinating though is I obviously went straight to NHL because I'm a hockey fan, and mm-hmm. it was they only have three entries, so apparently they don't really watch a lot of hockey stuff. Or, or common. They mention hockey stuff. every day. Yeah, there's okay. actually a reference to hockey every single day. Okay, but uh, so the the one that I'm looking at right now is the Penguins. Uh, they wore a star of David for the massacre victims in October. Ah, uh, yeah, that's man, right. That's it's and it's a stronger. We are stronger than hate, man. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool how yeah, they did that. Yeah. So fascinating. Okay, so last question: What would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to lead, Micah? Why don't you start us off? Yeah, I would say that I needed to be more comfortable with who I am. Um, so at 20 years old, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I'm, I'm, I'm hyper aggressive and, um, and I don't turn off very well. Like I'm constantly running. And that combination meant that I would constantly try and be whoever in front of, whoever the person in front of me thought I needed to be, right? And uh, what it would mean is that if that person in front of me wanted me to be something that fit well with my strengths, I succeeded and I was able to work well. Um, but I didn't, I, it took me such a long time to sort of figure out who I was, what I was good at, how the Lord had gifted me, because I was constantly trying to be just whoever the person in front of me wanted me to be. Mm. And so I, I, wish I, I wish I could have told me when I was 20 years old, look, you're broken. You are. I mean, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but the Lord loves you. He called you as you are. Just be comfortable in your own skin and let the Lord use you in the way that you're gifted to work and, uh, and, and try and work on your weaknesses and maximize your strengths and, and run in that direction instead of just constantly trying to be whoever the person in front of you thinks you ought to be. Michael, that's huge. And that's, I think, something that everyone struggles with to some extent uh, over the course of their life. So how did you recognize that that's what you were doing? How do you work against that? Uh, talk, talk a little bit more about that for us. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been at a place where I didn't know that I was doing it. I mean, I think I've always been aware that I was doing that. I mean, I'm a people pleaser. I've always been a people pleaser. And, um, and I also grew up a military kid. So we moved, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I've moved 36 times in my life. And so I was constantly remaking new friends and new acquaintances. Mm. And so I became very much a chameleon. I mean, I, I went through, you know, I don't know how many different fashion phases and sports phases and music phases. And I've liked it all, you know, based on who my friends were at the time and my influences were at the time. And so I always knew that I was a chameleon, but it was somewhat of a, of a um, survival technique for me growing up because I've moved so often. It was how I could quickly make friends and quickly adjust and quickly fit in. And I think when I started slowing down a little bit as an adult and I stayed somewhere for a longer period of time, that it sort of freed me to sort of take a breath, relax recognize. Um, and, and like a lot of people, I have a constant sense of inferiority and I overcompensate with that with pride sometimes. And so uh, resting in the gospel, resting in the fact that, that the Lord loves me as I am, I don't have to prove myself to him. Really getting the gospel right in my own life really helped me to sort of calibrate and understand that I, I don't have to prove myself. 
to Jesus or anybody else. I have to rest in who he, he's made me to be, rest in the gospel, rest in who he is. And then that sort of freed me to just be confident, to work in the areas that he's gifted me and to sort of come behind and buttress or strengthen those, those areas of weakness. Yeah, that's really good. Now, do you, is there, is there a particular, let's say our, some of our listeners are dealing with the same thing. Are there any mm-hmm. books that you would point them to or, or any particular yeah. scriptural okay, so verses? Th- yeah. This is going to sound, okay, there's, there's a number of things for me. I grew up in a pretty conservative Jesus-loving home, um, but one of the ramifications for that was that I constantly felt like performance was necessary for God to be happy with me, and uh, I really grappled with grace. To be honest with you, understanding grace really changed a lot of this for me, and I don't, I shouldn't say understanding grace because I still don't understand it very well, but having a better understanding of grace helped change this for me. And so uh, one scripture verse, uh, first the, the, in, in the book of Romans, we read, there is therefore now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when I really meditated and grasped sort of that concept that God doesn't punish his children, he disciplines his children, but he doesn't punish. There's a big difference between the two. Punishment is to correct, is, is I'm sorry, paying us back for what has been done. Discipline is correction so that it points us, it looks forward toward what we should be, right? And so um, trying to grasp that and understand that was pretty significant in my life. And then a book that was helpful was Tim Keller's book, Prodigal God. And uh, recognizing that I was the older brother, that I am the older brother. That's always been my temptation. I'm always constantly trying to prove myself to God, work my way into God's good graces. And so what that does is the way it practically works itself out is I'm constantly a chameleon, trying to be really good at whatever's in front of me at the moment, rather than knowing my lane, trying to run in that lane and be who Lord has crafted me to be. So I would say both understanding you know, the discipline versus the justice of God, the discipline versus the punishment of God and, and reading uh, Keller's book, The Prodigal God was really, really formative for me. That's good. Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning. Oh, fantastic. Mind. Uh, yeah. And also uh, Gary McIntosh, Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. Mm. I've not read that now. That's solid. Yeah. I need to read that. I need he to gives read you that. archetypes and yeah. I'll tell you, there's, there's actually a, a message out there from the leadership summit, the Willow Creek leadership summit from years ago from, um, oh, why am I going blank right now? I used to be the teaching pastor at Willow and is now in, um, in Menlo Park, um, John California, John Ortberg. He had a message entitled the shadow mission mm. that was unbelievably just cut through me. And he talks about how all of us have our mission that we've verbalized and that we run toward, but that all of us have a shadow mission that's sort of behind that, that actually fuels our behavior. And, and it's identifying the shadow mission that helps us to, to be who the Lord has made us to be and, and be able to dive into that. So that's another resource that I found very helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Now, before we get to Sam and Josh's answers, I did want to share that today's episode is brought to you in partnership with the Christian Standard Bible. So the CSB is a Bible translation created to be accurate, readable, and shareable. You can learn more at csbible.com. So let's actually listen to an excerpt of the Living and Effective podcast that they have, um, that they're bringing out to you uh, in partnership with Christianity today. I thought a podcast about how the Bible changed the world would be easy and encouraging. I was wrong. Join me as I explore the overlooked, complicated, and surprising ways God's Word is living and effective. Subscribe on iTunes and learn more at livingandeffective.com. All right, Sam, how about you? What would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Man, I feel so spiritually immature right now listening to to Micah <laughs> assess his twenty year old self. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're talking, I mean, if we're if we're gonna be legit and talk about our twenty year old selves, um, I would say stop dating that girl, pick up your Bible, 
and get your butt to church. Um, that's, th- that's for real. I mean, I was not where I needed to be when I was 20 years old. So, um, I wished I would have, uh, you know, ages 16 to 20 for me, I was not, uh, I was, I was not the world's greatest gift to Christianity. So, um, I, I definitely could have, uh, started my spiritual maturity much, much younger. And that's what I would, that's what I would tell myself is it's not, it's just not worth it. You know, um, just, just jump right in and, and, you know, start growing in Christ. Cause, uh, I was, um, I wasn't messed up. I wasn't like way off the rails or anything, but I was certainly not growing, uh, with Jesus. And, uh, I definitely could have used more, uh, I, I call it my kick in the pants ministry with young mm. people here. I could have used a kick in the pants ministry back in the day. That's good. Young people. Yeah. And yeah. That's the whippersnappers. Yeah. Them whippersnappers. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, Sam, you're, you're very specific in your advice and you're, you're, you're super direct. So talk to us about how you, how you got out of that. Cause I mean, if that was the advice that you had given yourself, I mean, obviously things have turned out really well for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Some may argue with you on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you're not in a hole working. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to give any. <laughs> I love Jesus examples. and I'm yes. pastoring a church, which if you'd have told my 20 year old self, Hey, you're going to be a pastor. I would be like, I would have probably said some words that I can't say on this podcast. And I, I would, there would be no way. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely in a much better place now. I'm still growing. I've still got a long, long way to go. But so, what um, was that turning point point for you then? Um, I had some really specific things that happened that I won't get into. That um, caused God got my attention. And it wasn't a Saul on Damascus Road sort of experience. It was nothing like that. Um, but I ended up getting connected to a ministry when I was in college, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, mm-hmm. um, that has some really good people in there that eventually brought me to a church that was a Bible-believing church, that was a great church. Um, and I got, and I saw in them, you know, what the beginnings of spiritual maturity look like. I mean, I don't know how many college students are completely spiritually mature. I'm sure there's some that are out there that are, but, you know, we they were beginning and I liked what I saw. I, I quickly realized that life was bigger than, you know, money and, uh, gaining, you know, credentials. And, you know, I had this idea that I was going to be the world's greatest gift of business. It was even the business world for a while until God called me, called me in the ministry. You know, I was headed down a road of greed and, uh, self-absorption. Um, and, uh, God got me back on track through, through a good ministry. And, and it was through, through the local church that all that happened. Um, it's just good people inviting me to literally, you should come to church. And I went and I just started, I, I, from there on, I just started growing. It was a very gradual thing. And, um, you know, by the time I was, let's see, four years later, five years later, I was pastoring a, a mega church of six people in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. So, um, you know, God really did a number on me and, and I wished I'd started earlier. I wished I'd started at 16 instead of 20, 21 years old. Hmm. Man, that's so good. Josh, how about you? What would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Yeah, I think it's very similar to what Mike has said. I would say um, something along the lines of that. There's going to be people, mean people who say mean things. But um, just to use the little 
phrase or the little country phrase is that dark, uh, barking dogs don't bite. So, um, there's people who talk a lot. They're mean, they say mean things, they'll hurt your feelings, but they're mostly powerless. And a lot of my early ministry was tied up in worrying about people who were saying mean things, or I was afraid they might say something mean or, you know, those sort of things, just being disparaging or rude. But as it turned out later, they had very little power that they were using the only power they had, which was being rude. So Mm -hmm. I wish I had learned that. And I think here lately in my ministry, I have learned that. And so when people start to say something or they'll say a, a comment or something under their breath, it doesn't get to me nearly as bad as it did before, because I do know that that's it. That was the whole storm. There's not anything else that's coming um, behind that. So I would have, it's, it has a lot to do with that people pleasing thing that we all deal with, but just giving them the power that they don't have. Yeah. You know, uh, it, that reminds me of um, like my favorite Churchill quote. It's probably one you may not have heard of, but it's um, you'll never get to where you're going if you stop to throw rocks at every dog that barks along the way. Oh, that's mm. good. It's really good. And that's what, you know, your story just reminded me of that. And so are there, you guys talk about established churches on your podcast and, you know, why don't one of you or Josh, if you'd like to go ahead and break down when we talk about the established church, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, we actually get this question a lot. And what we discovered after the show launched and it started to gain a little popularity was that the understanding was that we were talking about churches that are established, meaning that they're kind of grounded, that they are strong. So people, I I would assume, look at um, the churches that we pastor and the outside perception is that they're good, solid, strong churches. And so there were people who said, they felt EST not for them because they thought, well, my church struggles and, Mm. you know, I I have these challenges. That's so I say that to say, that's not what we mean by established churches. Instead, I guess the little shorthand that I always say is it's when you're pastoring a church that's older than you and there are systems and uh, manners and cultures that you have to deal with that some of them were, established or created long before you were ever alive. And you're dealing with people who operate in a culture or a desire or a dream of church. That's not something that is wired within you. So we hope to, I think, I'm, I guess I'm speaking for myself at this point, but we hope to encourage pastors that are in those settings that don't know how to navigate um, some of the basic things, but then some of the greater things and how, you know, some of our recent episodes about um, holiday schedules and even things like um, baptizing children or baby dedications, how the, there is a process to it. There is a way to do it, but then at the same time, there's a culture behind it and why fighting over the flag on the stage may not be the most appropriate time or, or spending of your time and how that person is probably not upset actually at the flag. They're, they're operating from a hurt or an understanding that that's better addressed in another way. So I think that's what we're dealing with when we talk about the established church. Well, let me ask you guys then uh, each. So uh, we got some time left. Uh, I would love to hear from each of you, like what was one of your favorite episodes? So Micah, what's, what's been one of your favorite episodes on established churches? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, one of them that I enjoyed that I thought was probably helpful was an episode we did on how to handle conflict in the church. I think that, um, you know, we often talk about conflict and we frame it in theological terms, you know, or, or even methodological arguments. Well, you know, that's an argument about worship style or that's an argument about Calvinism versus Arminianism, that sort of thing. When the truth of the matter is most conflict in the church is over personality and leadership. Uh, I, I think in how you lead change, and so to me that was help, uh, that was a fun conversation just because it's helpful, and I think it's where every church is at. And I and I would generally agree with Josh's definition of established church. I would maybe push back slightly. Josh said an established church is any church that's older than you are. I, I would say it's any church that's older than just a couple of years. I mean, church plants that are five years old, they're established churches now. They have mm. traditions and histories. And, you know, we sing this every year at Christmas. Well, okay. I mean, that's, you know, that's something you've got to grapple with. That's what, you know, when I think of an established church, I think of anything that's got patterns, systems, histories, traditions, and that's most churches. Once they get beyond just a few years, uh, though I know some of my church planter buddies, like they try and milk the whole church, like church is 12 years old. It's a church plant. You know, we're still trying. <laughs> no, man, I got teenagers as old as your church. You're not, you're not a church plant. You're, you're an established church now. And that's good. We need to think about it that way. And so, yeah, we did, we did some on, we've talk, in fact, it's not just an episode. We've talked about conflict a lot throughout the, the, the show, but yeah, that was probably at the top of my list. Good. Uh, Sam, how about you? If you're talking favorite episode, um, episode 100 was, you know, my favorite, where we just kind of reflected on the show. I mean, we're we're just beyond that now. I mean, we're still a relatively new podcast. Um, we, we post weekly, so um, you know, just reflecting on kind of the friendship that has was already present with Josh and Micah beforehand, but has really grown. Um, since we started co-hosting this podcast together. I mean, it, I feel like, you know, they're my brothers in a way uh, because, you know, I, we can kind of banter back and forth. We can poke fun at each other. Um, but then at the same time, don't go messing with either of my podcast co-hosts because mm-hmm. I'm going to beat the snot out of you. Um, you. You know, I just feel like I got that brotherhood with them. And that episode 100 really just kind of, if, you, if you're looking for a starting point, um, if, you, you're, if you're not knowing our podcast at all, if you've never listened to it, I'd start at episode 100. And, and just kind of get a feel for, you know, our passions and who we are. And um, I really enjoyed recording that one. Good, good. All right. Uh, Josh, what would you say? I'm looking at the list right now. Obviously, episode 56, No Silver Bullets was our favorite. <laughs> Dude, we recorded that <laughs> three times. <laughs> we recorded over and over and over. And uh, Daniel was so great about that. Uh, that was great. <laughs> yeah, but the, the episodes that, because... I'm the one who gets the emails and the and the Twitter direct messages and stuff like that most often. Um, the episodes that we deal with the most basic things like setting a budget, I've already mentioned uh, child dedication, baptism, those sort of things, those get the highest amount of feedback because those are the things that people are actually every single day wrestling with. So those are the ones that are my favorite to do. The one out of that is sermons a year in advance, which is episode 44 which we talked about how to plan out sermons, how to choose text and considering the holidays and when to take off and those sort of things. Uh, we get a lot of feedback when we do those topics. And that was the one that I thought was most um, enjoyable to do. That's great, guys. Man, thank you so much for being a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Every episode we we talk about a podcast this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new churches Q&A one, which is the one that Todd and I co-host together with Ed. 
but I mean, we always talk about that. (laughs) So we're going to, we're going to skip that and instead really focus in on the EST. So if you have your podcasting app open, well, obviously you do because you're listening to this, look up EST and you'll see the Low Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network logo there and you'll be able to look them up and and listen in because this is a really, really good podcast that you're going to learn a lot from. Absolutely. And, you know, go ahead and do subscribe. Take our word for it. It's worth it. Subscribe. Uh, And then after you listen to a couple episodes, don't forget to leave a rating and review. Thanks again, Josh, Micah, Sam, for being a part of the network and for sharing your heart, kind of the the behind the scenes of the EST podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. guys. It's been a blast.